I'm Dulce Sloan, and welcome to That Black Ass Show, a podcast celebrating the TV shows, movies, plays, and all types of Black content that have and continue to shape the world. This week, we're talking about the classic television show, The Jeffersons. You know, girl, we're moving on up. Created by legendary writer and TV producer Norman Lear, The Jeffersons was a spinoff of the hit 1970s sitcom All in the Family. From 1975 to 1985, the world followed the life of George Jefferson and his family navigating the culture clash after moving from the success of his dry cleaning business. It starred Sherman Hemsley as George Jefferson, Isabel Sanford as Louise Jefferson, Marla Gibbs as Forrest Johnson, Roxy Roker as Helen Willis, and Franklin Cover as Tom Willis. Today's guest is comedian, actor, writer, and friend Alex English. He's written for such shows as The Rundown with Robin Thede on BET, and The Fix with Jimmy Carr on Netflix. You may also have seen him on Night Train with Wyatt Snack on Stars, Funny How on Viceland, and he's currently a cast member on National Lampoon Radio. He's a Detroit native, but currently lives in the trash-ass city known as New York. All right, guys, let's get to the show. Alex, my friend. Yes, yes. Why is this show to discuss today? Um, you know, I was thinking about this, friend. Um, you know, back when Cosby was being, you know, accused of everything that he is now in prison for. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember there being this conversation of they're getting rid of the black father. We're, we're you know, they're and now the the show, the Cosby show, gets taken off of syndication, and people are like. Where are we going to get our representation of the Black family? That was our Black family. He was America's dad. He was America's Black dad. This was the first time we ever saw a, an, a, an upper class, middle, middle upper class Black American family. And I always heard that argument and I just found it to not be true. Right. Because the Jeffersons, in my experience, was the first time we saw Black people wealthy. <laughs> Yeah, they had more show- money in my mind than maybe, maybe, had- maybe given the, given the time period. You know what I mean? Because they were definitely two different. That was like the seventies, and the and the Cosby Show existed in the late eighties, early nineties. But yeah, the Jeffersons, to me, the, the Jeffersons to me displayed another. Uh, the first uh, was the first to display African Americans in a certain tax bracket. Right, as a family, because, like, um, Diane Carroll had her show where she played a nurse. Um, was she a single mom? I don't remember if she was. What was the name of that show? Because she had uh, a Um, My producer, Judith, will send it to me. But I do always think yeah. it's interesting that it was just like, oh, the Cosby show was the first time that we saw success. And I was like, I remember hearing that and going, but the Jeffersons was... We, it's like weird because like we all know the theme to the Jeffersons, but the Jeffersons kind of seems to get forgotten about in a lot of. And it's not like people. Yeah, it does, and and it's not like people. I feel like the reason why it gets forgotten in that specific conversation is because a lot of people I think are unaware, or a lot of young people maybe were unaware was a spinoff from All in the Family, right. and that they came from something. They didn't just start out rich. 
So Norman Lear, I mean, I think Norman Lear deserves a bit of credit for even telling some sort of realistic or attainable story when it comes to African-Americans, especially when it came to comedy. You know? Because the reason it became a spinoff is because there was an episode in All of the Family where they moved into the neighborhood in Queens. Mm-hmm. They were successful. And we only saw Lionel. We only, Lionel was the first Jefferson introduced into that entire like universe that Norman Lear created. That's the fun okay. fact. We never saw George and uh, Louise in the beginning. When, when they first introduced even the concept or the idea of the Jefferson family, Lionel was the first character. He was the only one having interactions with Archie Bunker and the All in the Family cast for like the first couple of times. And then they ushered in, because I think they hadn't even found the actors to play George and Louise yet. They found Lionel because he was the black kid that was going to like kind of bump heads with Archie Bunker, but in a cool way. Which, can we say, the first Lionel, far better than the second Lionel. So was the first, so because the first, so the first Lionel was on All in the Family and then he was on the Jeffersons. In the beginning of the Jeffersons, that's right. And I would have marched because, you know, I would have, he was just cooler. The second Lionel was a dork. The second Lionel was <laughs> corny as hell because, like, the show. He was a dork. Yeah, I remember watching the Jeffersons, I mean, in rerun as a kid on TBS. I honestly don't remember what. I mean, I couldn't fully understand what was happening because I was a child. But I do think that that show is the reason that to this day, white people think that black people call white people honkies. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was the first time I had ever heard that. That right. And I think it was it had to reference to their noses. Yeah. I think what it was from. But I have had to tell white people because white people of a certain age, and I think it's people that are around like my mom's age. Because I've had to do like, you know, I had to have conversations with white men of a certain age. And they think that we say that word. I'm like, sir, it's not the 70s. We're not calling y'all O-Phase either. Like, we don't. None of like, this is real. This like cracker is not really like a thing that we use, you know, like. The only time I've ever heard cracker really used is like if a black person is real mad, but the white person doesn't Real mad. It, yeah, exactly. It's used amongst us. Like, we, I'm not out with, like, yeah, it's used amongst us, especially when someone's really mad. You know, a black person is really mad when they use cracker. Right. And honky, I have never heard that in I've regular I've never heard it my entire life. <laughs> never and, been dropped. Right. And I don't know what could have happened. Like, my grandmother was so prim and so proper that she would have never said it. Um, yeah. my, I've heard, you know, my family members. Yeah, see like, how see see white folks see how easy it is to not use a slur. Like <laughs> we don't. And if we, you're gonna use it in private, that's your business. But don't do it in front of us. <laughs> or on the internet, because like when the internet, uh, right, right, the PM pill was so right that the best uh, slur for white people is calling them racist. Yeah, um, that's what seems to make them more. Si- but they get they don't get as mad at actual racism. <laughs> <laughs> no, because the most I've heard the word cracker used is white people. On the talk- Jeffersons. <laughs> right. Or white people talking about other white people or country ass white people talking about themselves. Or in Chris Rock special. Right. Or, yeah. <laughs> like the time that I really heard that word is I've heard country ass white people say it. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. That's different. I, I've never heard a white person use it, but you're from, I, you're from you're from the south, so yeah, you would have right. heard it probably. Right. That's why people say it. They're like, because I mm. I work phones for a power company, and this man was telling me he's like, you know, well, I'm an old Florida cracker, so you know, right. and, and like, they're referring to themselves. Yes. <laughs> they like white people are like, I'm taking the word back. Okay. Right. <laughs> you had it. I didn't do. We didn't use it to oppress you. <laughs> Literally, the Negro team for Georgia, like the Negro <laughs> League baseball team for Georgia, was the Georgia Black Crackers. Like this is what we're like. They obviously don't give a fuck. Um, but yeah, I'm constantly. But, um, but oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, but I'm like constantly always telling white people like we don't say, we don't have, we don't, we don't have slurs for y'all because there's no slurs. Like there's nothing we can say. Like the term white trash. That was a white person created that time. A white person right. said that, yeah. Right. A redneck. And George Jefferson created honky, as far as I'm concerned, because I never heard it from I've any never heard else. Say it. The only time <laughs> I'm like, I don't know who this is supposed to be for and why he's supposed to even give a fuck. Yeah. Um, but to but to but to answer your original question, because you just to go back, I I I I grew up watching these reruns, so I definitely yeah. have like. I, I, I like I just remember loving George Jefferson so much because I had never seen such a um I've ne- I never seen on television a black man have power and see what that looks like and to for it to be told so funny and 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 you know the, the portrayal of a of a black man running a business and throwing people out of his house. I mean, George George Jefferson was Martin Lawrence before Martin Lawrence. You know what I he mean? Was, uh, if we're being real. <laughs> he was kicking yeah. niggas out the crib before Martin was kicking out Pam, you know? Get out. And so I, I dig it. And he was classy, though. He he always had a suit on. You never saw him. You never saw him. In, you maybe saw him in sweats maybe for, for the purpose of an episode, maybe once or twice. But that man right. was always dressed. Stayed in the suit while Archie Bunker always Or in his pajamas. Looked raggedy as shit. <laughs> Listen, Archie Bunker always looked like he just got off the line at some type of plant. But I always, but I, but you know what I really appreciate is the duality of George and George Jefferson and Archie Bunker because Archie Bunker was presented as this lovable bigot and mm-hmm. he said outrageous shit, but he was funny and he right. had some charm. Carol kind of played the fuck out of him, you know? Right. But I, I, I also look at George Jefferson's politics and his demeanor and his his attitude towards white people. And it's just as ridiculously, yep. you know, egregious. A lot of the things that he says and the beliefs that he has, um, especially given. But you have to also remember the time period that these shows existed in. This was right. very post uh, post. This is like what, 10 years short of the civil rights. Civil Rights Act. <laughs> oh, this would have been if this started in 1975. Yeah, other would have just started because this is what people don't realize. Schools got technically the Supreme Court desegregated schools. And what was it? 19 Brown versus Board of Education was like 19 Brown, Brown v. Board was 1955, I think, or something like that. Yeah, right. My mother yeah. did not go to school with white people. Until she was ten years old, so that would have been nineteen seventy one. And my mother was school in my, my mother grew up in Miami, so right. It's and then now they're saying everything got real integrated now. Everything is getting segregated again. Where they're like schools are just as segregated now as they were when they did Brown be the Board of Education. And yeah, come to New York. 
Right. <laughs> go to Chicago. Go to LA. Schools of aviation is still here. Yeah, it's still, still here. Hard, hard. Um, and so it's you think about like that type of black man, and you think of like businesses and stuff like that, and you know it wasn't too far off from. No. So what he was saying, you know, I say that to say. Chris Rock always had that joke that one of the most racist people he ever met is an old black man. Yeah, yeah, I could. I mean, I, that 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 resonates with me on so many levels because all I got to do is go back home and talk about interracial relationships and listen to exactly what the opinions are of the black people that I grew up around. <laughs> right, because like the the Jeffersons came out eleven years after the Civil Rights Act, and then the show with Diane right. was called Julia. She played a nurse. It was actually the first Julia. black, mm-hmm. yeah, first black doll that ever came out. Um, yeah. Julia Widow, her husband died in Vietnam, and it was on from '68 to '71. Mm-hmm. Um, quick sidebar about Diane Carroll: read her book. It's called "The Legs of the Last Things to Go." Um, oh. Fun fact: Sydney Poitier spent a lot of time whooping her ass. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't. I oh. didn't even know that they had a romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And he was abusive to her? Yeah, 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 yeah. They were both. How old is this book? How long has this book been out? She my mother read that book a couple years ago because she Diane Carroll just died this year. Because she died yeah. right before Perry's big studio opened and they had a stage named after her. So yeah. that book had to be within the last 10 years. Oh wow. I I'd never heard about that. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because at one and point... No, he, and no one has taken Sidney Poitier to task on that at all, have they? <laughs> is he still alive? I don't know. I don't know. Is he he's still alive? alive. Sidney Poitier is still alive. And then in, him and... I, yeah. And him and the Crip Peaker go to lunch together. So, like, ain't nobody coming. Also, this shit was like... I mean, this was the fucking 60s when this was happening. 60s, 70s. Um, yeah. But at one point, he was married and she was married and they were having an affair. They were supposed to get married. Uh, it was published in two, uh, 2008. Okay. And did you know that Sydney Poitier is Bahamian? Yes. So now that <laughs> now this is starting to add up. <laughs> All right. I, I, was trying, I, I was trying I, to make sense. I'm like, how, why would he be abusive? Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to say they out the islands. I'm just going to say men out for a while. Because his accent has always been so... Con- I'm like, I remember him as a kid going, where the hell is this nigga from? But yes, yeah, you want some realty? Also, you ever seen the movie Money Talks? Who is that by? Money Talks is uh, that's the one with Charlie Sheen and uh, Chris Tucker. Yes, yes, I do remember that movie. Yeah, so you know how he's always running around talking about I'm Vic Damone Jr. I'm Vic Damone Jr. Uh huh. So Vic Damone, that's who Diane Carroll was married to for a while. Was an Italian dude. Okay. So that's. Getting into all those places, saying I'm Victor Mon Junior. Basically, I'm saying I'm Diane Carroll in this time because she used to date these white, these Italian cats, these mom cats, and they would have her iced out and furs and shit and everything. And then she start fucking with Sydney Poitier again. Nigga lay hands on her. She go back to I'm like this. See shit what happens. Is- he, Sydney had the opportunity. He had the opportunity to get our sister back in the community, and he fucked it up. She was like, "This is but- why I was fucking with them white boys." <laughs> <laughs> and this was before Peter oh. Baby hers was real, real. Um, right. so, Cindy, but, Cindy must, Cindy must have not realized that. Look, she is not the character in Dynasty. She's not gonna fight back. 
<laughs> you I need to keep your hands well, off of her. <laughs> listen, I don't know what the campaign was. I didn't read the whole book, but my mama was telling me about it. She was That's crazy. I didn't hear about that. I've never heard of that. I, I didn't even know that they were together. I think well, for, nobody knew they was at one point they were having an affair. They were having an affair. Mm-hmm. But I think there was well, well, was fucked up. They were supposed if, my, if I remember correctly, what my mother told me. He was married, she was married at one of the times they was messing around. They were supposed to leave their spouses. She left hers, he didn't leave his. I mean, I get the attraction because they are both they were both attractive people during their prime. Like I never thought they were both be- hot. I'm telling well, you. I mean, I, I think classically speaking, like given the time, Cindy Portier was like was like a sex symbol to a lot of to a lot of people. He like the was, way the way the same way Denzel was during the 90s. Right. But something about Sidney Portier always something about him always bothered me. Even when I would see mm-hmm. him and I'm like, something about this nigga bugs me. Something I don't like about this man. And then I found out he was laying hands on Diane Carroll. I'm like, ah then it was all it was all bets off. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> something didn't track. Um, okay. That's interesting and, information. Oh yeah, you gotta read this book. Um now, yeah. now we all remember the theme of the Jeffersons. Did you know Jeanette DuBois, who was on Good Times, who played Wilona? Jeanette DuBois, that's right. She, just, she sang the, she sang the uh, theme song. And she passed this year, too. She passed this year, yeah. Her and she Diane here. Fun fact about that theme song, also, Isabel Sanford never knew the lyrics. Right. <laughs> uh, oh, now, you sent me this interview. Video. Where they yeah. did reunion on Joan Rivers, which yeah. lets you one how popular Joan Rivers' show was. Yo, her show, she was she had like three shows. You know, they were constantly she, giving her a chance. And her shows you, were popular. You know, one of them shows she got made her and uh Johnny Carson fall out. Johnny Carson, the first one. It was the first one with Fox. Because he had her, he had her guest hosting and being like and coming in as a guest to, to tell jokes and stuff. And he thought she was going to be loyal to him, but then she became competition when she got her own show. And she wasn't, you know, you're like, Johnny, I mean, I got to go. I got to go for mine. You know, I can't just be sitting up here under your thumb. Well, he never and then told he got, he got bitter. He got bitter and stopped talking to her. I think she got bit, he got bitter because she never told him. She didn't tell him. I heard this story. She didn't tell him. Okay. She was, you know, she I always just, wonder what his side of the story was. She didn't tell him she was getting that show. The shit just popped up, and she tried but to did talk she, to But did she really have to tell him anything? Did well, she owe was, him an explanation? I mean, but the thing is, if the nigga's giving you opportunities, why not tell him? Because the whole point of letting me guest host on your show is for me to get opportunities, right? You right. Put, so if the whole point is for but me... But what exactly... Okay, what, what exactly was he so upset about outside of not telling him? What exactly... What is the larger reason for him being upset outside of her not, you know what I mean? Just to ice her out completely and not speak to her and like kind of ban her, get her banned from NBC. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, you if, know, you if you weren't, if you weren't already setting me up to get my own show, it's kind, it's kind of the same thing with like the Oprah, Iyanla Van Zandt thing, but not, not really. But like, if you're not, if you're not setting me up concretely for me to springboard off of your platform and provide me with my own show, then what the exactly t- do what exactly do I owe you outside of you? Yeah, the courtesy could have been, hey, I'm getting my own show and this is what's right. happening. But why but, but why be mad, you know, and hold a grudge? Long, I think it's excessive because it's like, okay, yeah. I tell you, 
Because she tried to apologize. I heard her interview with her. She tried to apologize to him and he was constantly. Yeah, she would she would consistently like and she would always talk very like she would she would talk very nicely about him in interviews and be very, very kind to him and still reach out and try to be to reconnect. And he was not having it. So I just always wondered what his position was, because it never seemed like he would speak out about that. There had to be something else that neither something one that we don't know. Yeah. There had to be something that we don't know. Now, when we but also, like, he could just be he could have just been a man and like felt threatened by a woman's success. He's a petty ass dude. I mean, that, that, that men do that. Known <laughs> for that, you say they one are not thing above to, that, right? You say one thing to a man, you're completely unforgivable, and this nigga tap dances on you for years, and you're supposed to take it. <laughs> but um, the interview happened on her on, on her second. I think her daytime show it was her second her daytime show, show. and mm. so. There was a very interesting moment because they were asking one thing. A that lot was, of interesting moments in that interview. Well, one, the first one I'm going to talk about is um, mm-hmm. when Isabel Sanford talked about uh, people chasing her, like basically following her down the street, trying to talk to her, thinking that she was Esther Rowe. She was Esther Rowe. <laughs> they and don't she, look anything alike. Nothing alike. And then anything alike. <laughs> and she said to the person, I'm not Esther Rowland, she said, Yes, you are. Now, this is a constant conversation that me, Ash and Nicole Black, and Nicole Byer. And Nicole Byer have to have. <laughs> Thankfully, so, you know, for me, I'm, I'm I guess I, I guess I should be I should be counting my blessings at this point because no one has walked up on me um asking me if I am Jabuki Young White. Or Dwayne Perkins, or Solomon okay. Giorgio, or Jay Jordan, or Larry Owens. <laughs> I would say, thankfully for, for them, they I haven't been mistaken. <laughs> now you know, I don't think you're gonna get Jabuki. So let's just. Uh, you you said you think you think I'm going to get Jabuki? You're absolutely not gonna get Jabuki. You're absolutely not. not. Yeah, I'm too uh, old. <laughs> Jordan, um, definitely, you can catch that one. Um, I, I, I might, I may catch that. Yeah. May catch that. Uh, <laughs> now, just for people who don't know, Esther Roll played the mother on uh, Good Times. Another Norman Lear uh, production. He really kept like a you. He had his. He had his own little Shondaland. Nobody really yeah. talked about that a lot. He had his own little universe. It was Good Times. It was All in the Family. It was Maud. Everything springboarded off of All in the Family. Maud came, Jefferson, like and Good Times. Yeah, like yeah. five spinoffs of. Uh, all of the family, and then uh, Marla Gibbs had a spinoff from the Jeffersons. Did it, only she? Lasted, it only lasted four episodes, and she just went back to the Jeffersons. But so, oh yeah. man, I don't think I remember that, or remember even reading about that. That's interesting. Well, she yeah, she, got, she ended up getting two two seven, right? Because yeah. after the show got canceled, then she got ended up getting two two seven. So there was that, and then. Yeah. Because Joan Rivers was asking everybody if they got rich, if they got rich. So Sermon Hemsley, yeah. Uh, you know what's family. funny about 227? I'm sorry, mm. I cut you off. You know what's so funny about 227? People still refer to her as Florence. They, they never, they always forget that her name was Mary in that show. I've always heard people say, you know, Florence in 227. <laughs> like, that was not the character for that show. Because <laughs> it was also Mary, because if you talk about Jack A. Harris, uh, Jack, Jack A. Harris. Harry. Yeah, that's the Harris. only time they remember yeah. that that's her character's name. Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> but I've so always funny. heard her referred to as Florence from 227, and I'm like, that's not no, her character. <laughs> Um, but that's how good her character was in the Jeffersons. That's how strong that character was. Because you know she was only, Florence. Florence was only supposed to be like a ancillary, like guest, like recurring role. Like she was, she wasn't like a recurring. She did. She. I think the audience. She tested really well with the audience in the beginning when they introduced her, 
And then they yes. kept her as a mainstay. But she was only supposed to be like for a moment. <laughs> right. It ended up being like 200 episodes. So uh, John Rivers asking everybody if they got rich from the show, if they got rich from the show. Mm-hmm. And Marla comes out and she's like, no, I didn't get rich from the show. I ain't got no and money. She was like, what? <laughs> They're like, oh, you always had different business. She, she would have nightclubs and stuff like that. And, yeah. she's like, and she was no, also I- like a flight attendant. She's like, oh, no, she was a ticket agent at an airline. Damn. And she was still working a side job. She was still working as like a ticket agent at an airline for an airline. Like she was, she, she's talked about she it publicly. Not paying her. How are you on TV? You still got a day job. <laughs> you know, that's, that's crazy. So, that's so fucked up because her spinoff was called Check In, but it only lasted <laughs> four episodes. Yo, um, they used her. They used her real life to try to get make more money. <laughs> rude, rude. But what was so <laughs> is the guy who played the doorman so she was talking about she didn't get rich she had businesses and they bring the rest of the cast out and the guy who plays the doorman was talking about he had a house in the virgin islands and he goes uh he's like yeah they were really great i got a raise every year you hear the and the audience kind of goes mm. and then I even see john this, even john was like bitch what <laughs> he goes what and then you see her actively go i'm not talking about this not, you see her not, go, yeah. you, They all, not, they all kind of like, and even, uh, even, um, Isabel Stanford was sitting there like, like, yeah, we, we should, we should continue discussing this shit because I just, she, her hand never moved. She was just like, mm-hmm. it's a shame. They wanted to say something so bad about that. That was kind of like the pink elephant in the hall over that hovered over the entire conversation after it was brought up. No, no, nobody else, I felt like nobody else could really think about anything but no. that, <laughs> that injustice. Also, I feel like they did not talk to him for the rest of the show. Which 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 clearly shows you why she should have been paid more. Clearly he was getting paid more than her. And he was such an ancillary character. There was no story arc about him. He didn't have any character development. He, he did nothing. Did we see did he get another show? Did he get no, another did he get into did he get into 27? No. Do we still Florence, see him working? No. There's no, no diss to our brother. We don't even remember your fucking name, bro. You was just a doorman. <laughs> we don't even know your character's name. Never even fucking knew the man. <laughs> but she, she was, was out here making wrecks. His name Marla is... Marla Gibbs was out here chilling. His name is... Uh, he played Harry Bentley. His name's Paul Benedict. Bentley. That's right. right. Bentley. Now, Bentley. Marla Gibbs was in 207 episodes. He was in 155 and still made more money than her. Nigga, I'm in 500 more episodes. I'm in 50 more episodes than you. How the fuck? 11, like, it was like 11. Oh, okay. I think I have, I think, I think I have to correct you for a second. Hold on. Because Bentley, Bentley was the annoying neighbor from like the, uh, from another country. Paul Benedict was the comedian. He was the guy. Oh, he was the, the guy British that was the, 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 the British, okay, okay. the British guy, the British dude, Ned Wordemer. Ned Wordemer played. Looking at a white man in a thumbnail, and Ralph. Uh, Ralph. Ralph, that's the problem. Ralph, okay. but see, that's but see, that's just how point. That's just how crazy it is that he was making more money than her. We can't. We getting him confused with a character that was even better than his. <laughs> and that man wasn't even because Billy, because ben, Billy was far funnier, had more, you know, to do with the cast. All the fucking all all uh, Ralph did I, had was hand, stick his hand out for a tip. 
My nigga, you was playing the doorman and making less money and making more money than the woman who had us dying hysterically. <laughs> it's Edward Wertimer. That's his name. He played Ralph Hart. Edward Wertimer. That's right. He played Ralph. Ralph the doorman. The doorman that always that, that had countless. Just oh god, I can't. I can't believe. I couldn't believe that when I watched that interview. I was sitting there like I know Joan's head. Wanted to explode out of the roof of that fucking studio because she was all about women. Well, she could just she was just like, because you I saw her go, what? Like you just saw her stop. She was like, you were you were you were the last person I called out on the couch for this interview. (laughs) You didn't even get top billing for the interview. How are you making more money than this this comedic talent? Like, she was great, because I can tell you, because, like, I don't think people realize that Isabel Sanford was so funny, because, you know... Isabel Sanford's hilarious. And you know what's interesting? You know what's great about the Jeffersons? Was that they mm. always... Like, Je- George... Uh, uh, no, uh, Sherman Hemsley, as talented and as much as the star as he was of that show, he was the lead actor in that show. Isabel uh-huh. Sanford was given... You know when they're, like, the opening credits, when the song is playing, Isabel Stanford gets listed first. She gets top billing in that on that on that show. It's good credit. I noticed that. I noticed uh, that in the episode I watched recently, like a rerun I watched. They list her first, starring Isabel Stanford and Sherman Helmsley. They put her first in the credits. Her name comes first. Her name comes first. Because, because I think what I believe was Isabel Stanford had a more, she had more credits to her name on Broadway right. and on television than Sherman Hemsley did. So I think more people knew who Isabel Stanford was but, than Sherman Hemsley. Cause, Cause he, so- he got, he got, he got Sherman Hemsley from Broadway. Right. Cause he talked about in the interview, you know, Norman saw him in a play on Broadway and then mm-hmm. if, and he was delivering if- mail as a day job. Damn, and it's so like, crazy. Like black people had to work so hard to get into like television that they had to still work day jobs while starring on major tele- starring on Broadway and going into television. They were still working, you know. I let you know how much you know they wanted well, it. They were hungry. Well, also how much you weren't getting paid if you were also working. Also, how much you weren't getting paid. Yeah, because or how much you know Marla Gibbs wasn't getting paid. I don't know what her bills was looking like. But she couldn't have been yeah. paid nothing good if she still had to open a nightclub and all this other shit. But because she was like, and at that time, you just were happy to what you, you just made what you made. But made what you, you made. Know, you didn't negotiate it, nothing. Yeah. Because they talk about the fact that they were just canceled out of the blue during high And they had 253 episodes, which makes it one of the longest running uh, he, sitcoms. Sherman Hemsley found out in the paper. They didn't even tell him that it was canceled. He found out. He said he found out reading the paper, reading the trades. They he said, found it in the trades. I found it in the trades. And if you're if you don't know what the trades are, they're all like the industry. So like Variety is like mm-hmm. the main. Uh, now it's Deadline. Um, yeah. But those are what the trades are. But could you imagine? But I know I can I can name a couple people that I know that found out that found out their show was canceled. Because of a deadline article. So that's not the first to... That's how you found out your show was canceled? That's how you found out the rundown was canceled? That's how we found out. <laughs> like I said... No diss. No diss. No malice to anyone. You know, but that's how we found out. I mean, it happens. You know what I mean? But I, I think for a show as dynamic... You're talking about a show of its time, <laughs> which, was, which was the first... This is what we were talking about earlier. Like, it is a show which was the first of its kind. 
it displayed black people in in a very uh in an unheard of as an anomaly you know at the time period that it did it was the very first show that showed an interracial couple it was the first it was the show that had the first interracial kiss on television people don't know so you would think that a show that broke so many of those types of stuff star trek had the first interracial kiss this had the first interracial couple or the marriage, stuff. or a couple. Okay, okay, not kiss, but the mar- but the marriage. The of, ma- I mean, in like a, on a, on a live action sitcom, this was definitely the first of its kind. And so you right. would think that a show of this nature and that and that achieved something like that and broke barriers outside of what we saw, what we from what we commonly saw, what they commonly saw on television. You would think that a show like that would at least been given the its dignity to go out the way a regular show. Any any other show has been given. Also, you know? a show that's been on the air for eleven seasons was successful, but eleven seasons, eleven seasons, and for a Norman Lear show, there was only ever one. It looks like there was only ever one Emmy nomination. So Isabel Sanford was the first black woman. Isabel to- Sanford won. She was the first black woman to win Outstanding Actress in a Comedy. Yeah, the first black woman to win an Emmy for Best Actress in a Comedy for her role of Louise uh, Louise Jefferson, also known as. Weezy, um, mm-hmm. what do you think about their? So her and Sherman Hemsley, Sherman Hemsley's dynamic. Uh, what do you think about how that was portrayed? Because you know what, when you were talking about taking away the black father, I think the reason that the Jeffersons doesn't get included in the whole black father thing because their because son was grown. Their son was grown. This yeah. is just too. Uh, this is just too. Still- Adults. He, he didn't. He, he didn't raise. He, they, they were. They were definitely like the empty nesters. Yeah. That. That yeah. definitely. But. But I guess when I think about it, I was raised by a single parent. You know, and I'm right. an only child. So my idea of what a family looks like can be that. Yes. You know what I mean? Albeit grown or not, a family can have just one. You know, not all black families have five fucking kids. You know that they gotta right. fucking go t- put through school and shit like that. You know, so right. I, I, the, the black it, to me it portrays that the black family can, and you know, we also had good times. But I think I think that was a smart decision on the part of Norman Lear because it it, it portrays a realistic socioeconomic uh, idea where having kids, having a lot of kids, is a lot, is a thing that happens in poor communities. Whereas these two, these two. Um, empty, these two, this, this black couple has one child that they had to yeah. take care of and they took care of him. They came up and they ain't got no more kids, you know? So it's right. very realistic. He's already <laughs> out of college when the show And he's already started. out of college, yeah. And yeah. so he's trying to figure out, because I think it's like, because I always talk about, when they talk about a black father, I always talk about Captain Cisco from Deep Space Nine because people do not talk about him as a father <laughs> enough. But I guess to be considered uh, parent on TV, Every episode is it has to be coming of age, something, something or has to these, be about, about your kids. Yeah, something with these kids don't happen. Something with these kids yeah. don't happen. Something with these kids. Don't I happen. get it, and I, I get the I get the I get that, and I understand why everyone was quick to be like Bill Cosby was the first dad that we saw, like the first black dad at least that we saw that had family structure and values and morals and stuff. And the whole time I'm like, well. That's true. We saw a black man that wasn't James Evans, that wasn't screaming at his kids, threatening to whoop their ass and, and struggling with bills. Yeah, we did. That was what we got from the Cosby show. But the Jeffersons right. definitely gave me like, oh, this is what it looks like when black people aren't struggling. 
when we aren't right. mad, when yeah. we're running shit, when we're shutting the door on the servants that work in the building, you know? And the idea that they had a black maid was even like, like we we talk so much about how we get so tired of seeing subservient black characters, but right. if I'm gonna see a, if I'm gonna see a servant and I'm, if I'm gonna see a black servant, I think I would prefer to see them serving black people. It's just like right. Jeff, it's just like Jeffrey on the Fresh Prince, because <laughs> you know right, at least you know like, then it's a little less it's a little less like damaging to the spirit when you're not beg at the beck and call of white folks. <laughs> right, it's less thing because I do also wonder because we see she, this on because Florence because Florence even even when Tom when Tom would come over to visit Florence would you know you can go get your own damn cup you know what I mean <laughs> I work for the don't job. work for you like, like, no, 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 no. okay you not understand you not you not understand it I work for them. These I black don't work. And I'll get your you. wife something. <laughs> no, just ask your wife. Hey, bro, ask I'll your get, wife. Yeah. I'm the one. I'll get Helen something, but you, yeah. <laughs> nah, dog, we ain't, we ain't just goofy ass, man. Um, I <laughs> say... But Tom was a good white man. He would have blocked. He was. He, he tried to be... He, <laughs> one of those white dudes who was trying to be down. He was just like, hey, man, this is my wife. She happens to be black. As opposed to... Yo, got a black Oh, yo, stop. one of my favorite episodes, one of my favorite episodes, because the writing is just so funny in this episode that I had to like revisit it. Mm -hmm. uh, George was trying to uh, cozy up to one of like the richer upper like uh, neighbors in the building. And there mm -hmm. was like all these building problems happening. And Helen and Tom were um, a part of the were leading the pack on getting the whole building together with addressing the issues in the building to right. the owner. And so they wanted George to be a part of that, but he didn't want to stir up any trouble because this was very early on in the shows. This was like the first mm -hmm. season, like episode three. And George didn't want to ruffle any feathers because they had just gotten into that building. And they were like, I'm black, I'm a, I'm a nigga in this building. I'm not getting ready to like fuck up my rapport with anybody up in here. I, but when they heard, but when he found out that one of the names like involved in the whole pro in, in the whole uh, protest or the organizing was the rich guy, the rich white dude that he wanted to like, uh, he was like a banker or something. So he wanted him to invest in the dry cleaning company. So when right. he found his name on the list, he was like, oh, I'm going to make sure now that I push Helen and Tom even out of the, you know, limelight. The, 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 the limelight of this. And I'm going to take, in fact, I'm going to have a party at my, in my space and invite all of the tenants in to be involved. But in the middle, in the beginning of the story arc, Helen and Tom were getting to an argument over a pen. He, uh, Helen had like taken one of his pens that, that Tom was using to write. And he storms into the Jefferson's uh, apartment when, with Helen there, already, already there complaining about Tom. And Tom is like, you know what, Helen? You know what? I'm going to call you something that I didn't think that I was going to have to call you. And George was like, oh, Lord, he's getting ready to say it. <laughs> Oh, but he said, but he said, but he said, but all he wanted to say was, "You are being a typical woman." <laughs> wow, it was but just also, so funny like, the way they tiptoed around like silly hot button shit like that. It was just so but funny. That's so funny that he would just be like that. <laughs> George Jefferson was like, "Well, he's on call, nigga." I'm just, I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. That's so, such like, a funny I, episode. <laughs> that's so interesting because it's like I think about like. um because they were talking about, because at the time, like, you know, because uh, Roxy Rocker, who plays uh, Lois, mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, no, not Louise. Um, Helen. Roxy Ro- Roxy Roker. Al Roker's Roxy sister. Roker. Uh, <laughs> she's married to uh, Cy Kravitz, who's, you know, the, she's Lily Kravitz's mother. Lily Kravitz's mother. Yeah. Zoe and Kravitz's so- grandmother. <laughs> right, Zoe Kravitz's grandmother. Um, former mother-in-law to uh, the witch, Lisa Bonet. And <laughs> not as in bitch. I think she's an actual witch. You think she um, practices witchcraft? That's I. I wouldn't. I wouldn't challenge you. I would go along. Would I would read. I would read some stuff up about that. If that <laughs> her and Erica Badu, them two. There's a real witchy vibe. I'm not trying to tell <laughs> Also, I'm covered in the blood of Jesus, so y'all can try what you want to try, but it ain't gonna work. Um, but, uh, she talked about in the interview, she was like, you know, it's, you know, she was married to a white man. And then the guy Mm. who plays the door guy is actually was married to a Nigerian. Married to a black woman. Right. Oh, Nigerian. Nigerian. Okay. Yeah. And so I thought it was was a coincidence that they had like, right. She said it was just a coincidence. Like they were looking for us to be like, they were trying to play that because they just played like a regular married couple. They just happened to be. Yo, yeah, how 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 much how hard would you laugh if you got sides for a part in like a movie or a TV show and they were like, we're looking for black women who specifically date white men. <laughs> if you don't date I white mean, men, then we're not we're not even gonna audition you for the part. <laughs> we're looking for Jewish dudes who only date Asian women. Like it's, <laughs> if the part of casting really had to do with your personal life, like listen, we, we need we need Alex, we need a we need a black man who exclusively dates Filipinos. I'm like, <laughs> okay. you got me. <laughs> um, we need black women who grew up in a predominantly Latino neighborhood. Got you. All Once time. it gets that specific, yeah. <laughs> like this ain't got no, this ain't got nothing to do with acting. You're for the idea of how I'm supposed to act. That's what all the fuck yeah, this is. Right. Right. <laughs> I remember seeing that couple as a child because the thing is, I had never seen a black woman with a white man. The only mm, black and white mm. couples I've ever seen in my entire life were white women with black men. I had no mm. idea to go the opposite direction. None. Yeah. Yeah. Because the way that I would hear growing up black women talk about it black seemed like they weren't attracted to white men. <laughs> well, black women were always talking about black men. I never would hear yeah. black women talk about non. There was, ever, I mean, they would talk about like a star or somebody where Dang. it was like, oh, he, you know, yeah. like my grandmother loved John Wayne, right? But okay. John Wayne was already dead as of this point. So by the time I came around, oh, John your, your, was, grandma, your, your grandmother loved cowboy movies too, like mine. Oh, I remember. Um, <laughs> what was it? What is it about black grandmas and cowboy movies? I don't know. All I know is at one point at, when I was in college, I got really into Bonanza. Um, okay, all right. How did you but, feel about Matlock? You know what? I I, I really wasn't. <laughs> eh, I wasn't really a fan of Matlock. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I did. I, I remember, loved them. It was like, you know, I loved, I nice, I loved the little silverback situation. You know what? But you know what's <laughs> funny is the first time I saw uh, Carol O'Connor, I remember watching in the heat of the night. He could clean but, up, okay. He up. When, when, he, when he was out, when he was outside of the costume for for Archie, Archie Parker, on those award shows, I'd be like, Carol O'Connor, a little snack. Come on, Carol O'Connor. Yeah. So when, uh, <laughs> 
So I remember watching In the Heat of the Night, and I remember the first time I saw All in the Family, and I was like, who is this man? I don't like this. I don't like this at all. First of all, I was like, where is this nice? He also has so much range to be able to play those two those two characters. Those those are starkly different television shows. He was a shows. huge bigot on All in the Family, and then in yeah. the Heat of the Night. He was just trying to make race relations fine. And I don't know he if was you trying to <laughs> <laughs> He's like, listen, yeah. I don't a black detective. I don't need no problems. I don't know if you ever remember Bubba from In the Heat of the Night. I do remember Bubba. Yeah. Girl! I remember I remember his black I remember his black partner. Yeah. Girl. <laughs> if you ever wonder why I like a big ass man, a big country, that's you can blame TV for that. Yeah, you ever wonder TV. why your girl out here is trying to Rapping, big ass man. You can blame Bubba from any. I don't give a fuck what race he is. If he looked like he used to play some football, that's who I'm trying to fuck. Those boys never talk to me, but I'm trying to pull one. <laughs> All right, y'all. We're gonna take a quick break, and then we'll be back. Hope you've been enjoying the show so far. Let's get back into it. Now they did do. Let me see what else I wanted to ask you. But yeah, no, that was the first time I ever had seen a black woman with a white man. And I was a just white, like, a white man. I did not know the discalculation. So I did not know because growing up, they would all, you know, I would always hear, you know, well, only like you can't be, because I remember like one of my aunts or something was talking to my mom. I don't think they knew I heard them. Um, but there's a white dude that tried to holler at my aunt or something. And I remember my aunt going, well, can't nobody but a black man hit it right. I ain't asking nobody can a black man but a hit. And that was like, I remember hearing this and I'm just like, yeah. is, this, is this a true thing? I don't know. Because I do I remember talk- hearing a language when it came to the language that black women would use that I would hear very early on in my life about white men. It was, it was never relationship speak. It was never, no. this is a white man that I definitely want to be with. They would just be like a fantasy to be with like a Brad Pitt or like some sort of white man in the movies, like you said, like a star. But there was never any romantic, I, nope. I always only ever saw and heard being attracted to white, to, to, to black men. Yeah. It's so funny, because like the couple that like, the couple that, they, you know, the love, what is it, the Lovings or something like that, they did a movie about them, and they were an interracial couple that was trying to get married, and they were on the run from the law and all kind of shit, and it was a white mm-hmm. man, black woman, and I remember seeing it, and I'm just like going, hmm, okay. I be- the thing is, I can believe it. I can fully believe it. There's so many of us. I mean, obviously, because my aunt told me the only reason that slavery happened is because black men saw, uh, white men saw black women and were just like, we need all of them. Put them on a boat. We're going across <laughs> the world. They can't catch us. Grab them. Put them on this ship. She's like, they, she's like but, or they would tell us growing up that they only want to sleep with us. They don't want to marry us. So there's no point. Mm, yeah. So they well, Tom and Helen, Tom and Helen proved that to be false, friend. They came through with their married was- shit, and I liked it because they weren't like they weren't caricatures of one another's p- groups. You know what I mean? They were very no. normal people who had normal married problems, just like just like their 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 friends did, just like uh, George and Weezy did, and right. and you know, and 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 in a way. And, and I'm going to bring it back to like the way Norman Lear wrote and created All in the Family, the way he did the Jeffersons was like, yeah, even if even if she had a black mom, 
George still had a problem with his son dating a mixed girl. <laughs> Even though he the still had his own issues. He, he had because he because he didn't like white people. He did not like white people, and he tolerated I mean, time. You know what I mean? And he but, but, but he only liked white he only liked white people when he could use them for him to continue his business. That's the only time George Jefferson's character was prone to like giving white people the space to even be around him. But he controlled his space, which is how I feel like that's what white people did. Like that's what that's yeah. what Art Bunker did. He was only responding to the ways in which white people responded to him. <laughs> and he could because he had money. He had money. He had privilege. Um, it was it, the first black man I saw that, that acquired some sort of privilege. Yes, and he had the privilege and the ability, one, to move in that building. Two, yeah. to kick you, get out. Get talk to, he, talk, he talked to white people any old kind of fucking way he wanted to. And that's what I appreciated about the show was that we didn't need to see him raising his family, really, because we see clearly that his son was fine. His son was living, breathing, came back home whenever he wanted to. Maybe he wasn't as successful. We didn't see much of Lionel's character really flourish, you know, as far well, as Lionel like a, ends up being an engineer or some shit. Like Lionel ends up being like an engineer, which ain't a shabby yeah. job. It's not a shabby job, but we, we didn't really see. They didn't. The sh- I don't recall the show really focusing that much on. They really, when he came in, it was about his his relationship with uh, Jenny, with the with the, with the Tom and Helen's daughter. But we Lionel didn't see much of like his social life. Yeah, outside. He was of very that. recurring, not main character. Yeah, exactly. So I, I feel like Norman. I feel like I feel like they really wanted us to see. They went. They they, they utilized Sherman Hemsley to really like show off this character who went from having little privilege in the community he used to be in to now yeah. like kind of owning owning his business, having having servants, living in a high rise. His wife doesn't have to work. He's taking care of his mother. Like, comedically, Norman Lear, Norman Lear for the time that they did, as for, for 11 seasons, told a story of Black people. You know, what I, you, know what I think, you know what I think what it was? The problem was with the show, and maybe this could explain maybe possibly the reason why they made the decision to cut, them, to cut the show so abruptly. Mm. I think it's because with the show like that during the time that it was, there never was a real like path for the Jeffersons to go. You know what I mean? As far as like right. story wise, they made it. So now we're just seeing how the, the the really bigger thing that we're seeing is just this black family working with and 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 the, the jokes come off of a black a black man and his wife integrating with the with the with the with the rich class. So now right. we're just kind of going through the motions and every 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 episode just had some sort of like situation that took place. It was literally a situational comedy where it was just some situation, but there was never really like a story that like right. ascended and we never really saw any kind of growth or any type of change or, you know what I mean? Well, like it's like, Everybody you know, kind of stayed in one particular character space. Well, because it's the Black Nouveau Riche and we all know yeah. uh, that the Nouveau Riche are great. It's so funny because people... Sidebar, people love to call the Kardashians Nouveau Riche. And <laughs> which is so funny because I saw an episode where Kim uh basically like rents all like for Chris's birthday, rents all the old cars they used to have and then goes to their old house. Oh, the Kim old house, goes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Kim's like I saw a clip. House. I saw a clip of that online. Right. And Kim was like, Yeah, you know, I got the Rolls Royce that we had and you know the Mercedes, and I'm just like it don't take much to get a Mercedes, okay? 
But y'all been rich though. Like y'all been rich. But a Rolls Royce? <laughs> yeah. Y'all had money we didn't know about. I'm just saying. So there's different kinds of nouveau rich. But that means I mean, sure her, I mean yeah, so, Kardashian. Like, what's his name? Rob Kardashian Senior. Was it? Yeah. Was, was it? Yeah, he was. He was an attorney. You know, he was on an OJ case. That man was making mad money. Man was making coins. Like, listen, yeah, they I'm weren't gonna, living. They weren't poor. No, <laughs> the bitch is from Beverly Hills. Don't play them like that. Sidebar. Anyway, <laughs> um, no, it's when you have like the adventures of the nouveau riche, right? Mm-hmm. Which is just what the Kardashians is. When you yeah. have that, it's okay. Well, it's you're still trying to get into spaces. You're still trying to, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it seemed like he was pretty much accepted by the people in the building. The only thing that seemed to cause him some obstacles was his attitude and his personality. Yeah. So yeah. it's, um, it's interesting because it's like to see, because I have this conversation with people, all the, it's, one, for Norman Lear to create a good times and the Jeffersons means to me that this man could see. He could see, yeah. Both sides of being not only black, but being an American, being an American, period. Being black in America. Yeah. Being or being black, an American. Being an American. Yeah, because there are poor Whoa. white people that probably watched the good, good, watched good times. Like, yeah, I live, I didn't live in this particular type of environment, but I definitely have been poor. I mean, a trailer park is a white ghetto. Like, trailer park is a white is a white project housing. Yeah, like it's a white project the same housing. thing. Right. Yeah. Hell, if anything, know, I would rather live in the projects than a trailer home. If we're being, if we're keeping it a book. <laughs> I mean, it depends on what kind of trailer that you're in. How many trailers have you been in? I've never been in one, friend. <laughs> okay, because there's an actual mobile mobile trailer, and then there is a module yeah. home, and then there's your okay. single wide, your double wides. The only trailer I've seen trailer parks like like driving past them like they they do exist like in Michigan. Um, Right. Shout out to Eminem. Um, But (laughs) but I've never been inside. Only time I've ever seen what my 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 knowledge of trailer has only been on television. See, I because like I've been to real trailer parks before, Mm -hmm. and I've been to black trailer parks, and I've been okay. Yeah, I've been to Black Trailer Park, so that's when you're like, you're too country to have projects. I didn't even know Black Trailer Parks existed, friend. Yeah, I well, didn't even know Black that. Trailer Parks have, they're not always 100% Black. Mm. Like, true Black Trailer, like, they're not always 100%. Now, there's very much 100% White Trailer Parks. Would um, you say, would you say that the, those types of communities might be, like, the best kinds, though, when it comes, not, not, I don't mean, like, economically, I mean, Socially, when it comes to like raising, when it comes to like a black family and a white family, like a community of like a bunch of different races in a trailer home, or maybe just black and white folks being in trailer homes. Oh, do you think? Do you think? Do you think that? Okay, would you think those breed the best, the best kind of attitudes when it comes to like black and white relations, or like black and Mexican relations, white and Mexican relations, because they all are on an equal on a level playing field where they understand what it's like to live in a pre- under oppression? Well, yeah, because, like, I went to school in the suburbs, and my school was, my high school was very diverse, as I was telling you. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. school with, like, when white flight started to happen in our neighborhood, there were also Black and Latino parents who looked up 
and saw all these white people leaving and saw, oh, if they leave my property value, gonna fuck up. Let me leave mm-hmm. too. So you mm-hmm. have white, you have people of color who are savvy enough to know when these white people leave the neighborhood, it's gonna fuck up my property. I gotta sell my house too. Mm, okay. So, they they get uh, they get hip. So it's like I was telling you too about my high school where like my graduating class only had like maybe three white kids. And I think I look back and I'm like, yeah, those were the be- those were the ones, those are the ones you actually do want to engage with. And like they're gonna have the right attitude because they know what it feels like. To be to, on some scale to be outnumbered, you know. Well, when you're dealing, well, this is about dealing with. There's a weird dichotomy when you're dealing with poor white people. Yeah. When you're dealing with poor white people, it's you have pre- been presented by America. America, because like, think about when you see white people in movies, they never in a small house. Yeah. They never broke. Mm-hmm. So think if you're a white person, and I think that's why these these are the people who vote against their own interests. These are people that cling so hard to the Republican Party. These are people that cling so hard to the needs and values of the rich because we fully understand. Most people, look, I mean, look understand. at Archie Bunker. He wasn't living nicely. You know, his, his he, apartment was dingy. He was living in Queens. He just had a fucking house. And he had his opinions on how much better he was than George Jefferson. <laughs> right. And you because you just, because America told you that just because you're a white man, you're supposed to be better. So, when it comes to, because I think a lot of the, like, I think I think Archie Bunker hated Mexicans more than he hated black people. Honestly, <laughs> but he hated well, he hated everybody. He really had a distinctive this like disdain for literally everyone. <laughs> it's always so interesting to me because there are these people that have like, well, can I make one point? When mm-hmm. poor white people, I think, are very in a weird place because they vote against themselves constantly. Because mm-hmm. when they think about welfare queens, they think about us. Mm-hmm. When, when in fact, we well, know to be true that white them. people make up for a large margin of, of the people on welfare. And yeah. somebody was like, well, what about like, the, like based on populations? I'm not having this fucking conversation with you. So mm-hmm. when they're on welfare, it's the government owes me this. I need help. Mm-hmm. We're on welfare. We're fucking lazy. We don't want to work. We're lazy. Oh. We're asking for a handout. Yeah. We're asking for a handout when we sit in this, we both sitting in this wick office trying to feed this baby that we did not want. Um, so that's that you can't thing. breastfeed in public. That you can't breastfeed <laughs> in public. Because men have sexualized our body so much that we can't <laughs> babies. Um, but I think when it comes to like showing like, because it was great on the Jeffersons to just see a black man going, hey man, I run this shit because that's what I think. Cause when you were talking about like people growing up in the same neighborhood, I think when you, when you grow up poor with different races and when you go grow up, you know, doing well or affluent with different races, money's always an equalizer. Yeah. But there's always going to be, because the thing is we know the American dream wasn't for us. We know bootstrapping all that other is a myth. We know the American dream wasn't for us. So we don't believe that America is going to treat us any particular way, any special way. But if you're from a group of people that thinks that America was for them because America told you that, and then your generation, like I went to school with white girls who were the first people in their family to graduate from high school or graduate from college. Mm -hmm. I also went to college with black girls who were not only the third generation of their family, the third generation of a black woman, third generation sorority, Mm -hmm. black girls. You were a Delta, your mother was a Delta, your grandmother was a Delta. 
So I'm going mm. to school with affluent black girls, some of them, and yeah. then white girls of country will refer to them from the county that they're from. And so, but it's when you get money at a certain when you get to a certain level, it's if we're all poor, we're all poor. Yeah. If we're all rich, we're all if we're all if we're all if money equalizes everything, then it's just the time for the racism to really pop out. But yeah. if you've been told the whole time that America is for you, but you get up poor and then there's niggas and Mexicans on there just as poor as you, something is wrong. Mm-hmm. What did America, what happened, what did America do wrong where I'm living next to these two just as poor as they are? And, and you, I, you, met, you, you mentioned, you mentioned the American dream and that's, and that's, and I think that goes, that ties into why I was like, oh, yeah, the Jeffersons is like my show that like I look at because, you know, for what it's that worth, is, I had never, that, that was the American dream to run a black man that runs his own business and right. feeds his family and comes out of, and comes out of the ghetto or the hood or whatever you want to call it. Even though he was living in the same neighborhood as Archie Bunker. <laughs> Right. Came I out mean, of that neighborhood and made and made a success of himself. But where did he live? But the thing is, because he moved into their neighborhood and then he moved to Manhattan. Where did he live before he moved to Archie Bunker's neighborhood? I think I think I recall there being an episode where we where Louise says mentions that they used to live in Harlem. Right. That's which what made sense. Which would which would have made sense. It made sense for yeah. the time. So yeah. I mean, and there's nice. So they're probably in a regular. So they probably lived in a nice part of Harlem. Then they yeah. went to Queens. I mean, as long as they didn't end up in Brooklyn, I think they don't want okay. Because <laughs> that would have definitely been a not. Well, the Jeffersons today, the Jeffersons today would have had to own every dry cleaning place in the city to uh, to fucking be able to live in Brooklyn. So <laughs> I think by now, because uh, the play um, Weezing been passed on. She passed on in 2004. Oh, Isabel Sanford. Yeah, they all, I mean, mm-hmm. Marla Gibbs is like the only, to my knowledge, is like one of the only few of that cast that's still living because I know Sherman Hemsley passed away. Isabel Sanford passed away. Roxy Rucker has passed. She passed um, in the, I think she passed. Yeah, she passed. She, she, yeah, she passed a while ago. Um, I want to say, I don't know if Tom... Tom is still living, but from like that, like main, like immediate cast, I think Marla, Marla Gibbs is like, she's still with, she's definitely still with us. Yeah, because she's still with us and she's still working because when they had a sketch she's still about working. Black Lady Sketch Show. Black Lady Sketch Show, yeah, played, they were on the 227 sketch. the old woman in the window. Yeah. Um, And then with the son Calvin or whatever. Now, I do want Oh, no, no, no. She, she woke up from a dream. Yeah, she woke up from a dream. Um... Was it Quinta playing the old lady in the window? I think it was Quinta. I think it was Quinta. No. Uh, yeah, I think Quinta was the old that was 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 uh well, Pearl. I think I think I think Quinta played Pearl. But also, <laughs> shout out to Quinta. She has given us. I've been loving her since her web series. She is yeah, so me fun. too. All right, y'all. We're gonna take a quick break, and then we'll be back. Hope you've been enjoying the show so far. Let's get back into it. Um, I want to do my favorite part okay. of the show called Black Ass Confessions. Uh, I think I have theme music. I might, or it might just be. So, a Black Ass Confession. And so, you have to confess to a um, either Black TV show, film, or just Black. A cultural thing 
that mm-hmm. you cannot do or have not seen. Like for entrance, I always say that I've not seen uh Bebe's kids. Um mm. and actually black was saying We don't die, we multiply. No, I don't need it. Um You don't know. Yep. <laughs> I'm good. As a child, I didn't want to watch it. Um and oh, actually Black was saying that she uh doesn't know how to cornrow. And I was telling her that I recently learned during the quarantine how to cor- how to really corn on my hair correctly. So okay. Mr. Alex, um mm-hmm. what would your confession be? So as much of an Eddie like Eddie Murphy is one of my favorite people on the planet. I've never seen Boomerang. You've never seen Boomerang? The original movie. I've never seen it. I and as say- much as I want to see it, I've just never seen it. Ne- it has not been a concerted effort on my part. You know I, what I, I mean? I, I, it wasn't like, oh, I'm definitely not going to watch that, but I've just never seen it. And I hear people list it as like the top, one of the top black films, black comedy films, rom- rom-coms of its kind. Yeah. Like, and I've never seen it. And I should, I should, I should be watching it, but I've never watched it. I've never sat down and like watched Boomerang. The S curl that he has is yeah. worth it. I've, I've seen stills. I've seen I've seen photographs from the movie. I've even seen clips, but I have not seen the full movie. And I've seen clips that have made me say, "Wow, I should probably watch this movie in full. It looks like it'll be good." And I've never watched it. You have so much and time. I love Eddie Murphy. I have so much time. I still haven't seen it. I, I, and I've watched I've watched Coming to America. I can't even I can't even tell you how many times I could I could say I could recite that movie beginning to end wow. without even watching it. Um, I've seen Coming to America. I've seen Doctor Doolittle. I've seen Big Mama's House. I've seen Harlem Nights. I've seen all of the movies that mostly all of the movies that Eddie Murphy's ever been in. Not seen Boomerang. Damn. I've even seen Shrek. I've even seen Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell I saw you, I saw Shrek before I saw Boomerang. How crazy! That's is that? <laughs> funny. I can tell you, I was probably uh, I was probably like ten years old when I saw Boomerang, so I had probably no business seeing this movie um there are yeah. I think a lot of also, things also also can i just give a take that i know is gonna rile people up and i actually just watched it again like a few months ago and it made me revisit i did not like waiting to exhale <laughs> wow okay <laughs> not even with soundtrack get on fire in the car i mean okay that's an iconic moment but the, but the, but it wasn't a good movie <laughs> And I love all of the actresses in that film. I just got, I, I watched it again and I was like, I watched it again like a few months ago, maybe like January, like December or something like that. I just sat and like watched it. I'm like, I don't remember. I remember liking this and I don't remember why I liked it when I was back then. <laughs> okay, I can, okay, fine. If you're going to go with something as, as um, controversial. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you did not like waiting to exhale. I will say that I have not seen Dreamgirls. Oh, okay. Which, as a theater kid, is sinful. Blasphemous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in uh, parts, of, I know that Shirley Ralph and um, the original and Divine were one Loretta of the Divine. Yeah. Uh, girls, I cannot remember the third, but um, I have not seen the Broadway version. I have not mm. seen uh, the first. The Beyonce, one. Jennifer Hudson. I wasn't going to watch that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm okay with that. I saw the clip with Jennifer Hudson singing "You're Gonna Love Me." Um, but what's so how do you funny, feel about her playing Aretha? I can fuck with it. Aretha wanted it. 
Aretha wanted it. She she said Jennifer Hudson's name when when she was asked who she would who would play her. She said she would want it. And, and when someone and when some and when someone suggested Queen Latifah, she said child bye. <laughs> Listen, if you she, said, follow- she gave a firm no. She was like no, <laughs> no, I'm not here for anything. No, if she, she gave- Listen, if we follow in the woman's wishes, fine, because we all know the NDR played Nina Simone. We're all absolutely, absolutely. Uh, they, yo, they, black people would never get their foot off of Zoe Sal. Uh, what's her name? Saldana. Zoe Saldana. It, it was Saldana, and then she dropped the Saldana, and now it's she Saldana. did. Now she did. And why? Why would she do that? I guess it was too hard to put on posters, or I don't know. But she Saldana. dropped the Dominicans dropped got it. mad, and. Yeah. And she, uh, and she already had. She had enough black people mad at her. Why would she do that? Because she was the people. Black people were already mad at her for, for playing being a song. And then she, uh, she dropped the end game, and then she, uh, then she married. Then she got with a white man and had a baby. So niggas was real upset. Everybody was like, "Okay, this is this." Nina is, Simone this. would never say. Listen, <laughs> they, had to, they had to darken her skin and give her prosthetics to make her play Nina. Like she was obsessed with playing Nina Simone, and I'm like. Listen, I hear you. I hear you. Leslie Leslie Jones should have been playing Nina Simone before as always. <laughs> Listen, and Leslie Jones is 72 tall. Um and just ma- and just make her sing over a soundtrack, you know, lip sync over a soundtrack. <laughs> Listen, it should have been, we all know it should have been NDR Reed. We all we yeah. all we all knew that. Yeah. We all knew yeah. that she should have let it go. Listen, I would love to play Lucille Ball. But that's what Deborah Messing is for. Do you understand? They're trying to lose the ball move without Deborah Messing, and I'm like, Miss Deborah. Yo, did you hear? Did you hear that they were trying to? They were they were talking to Kevin Hart. I don't know if it, how true it is. They were t- I heard. I, I remember Marlon Wayans did an interview with Janelle James on Netflix, um, and he was saying how they. He, I don't know if he was joking, but he was like, they were asking Kevin Hart to play Richard Pryor in the movie. <laughs> They were asking, um, <laughs> girl, when they asked, what's his name? Mike Epps? Yeah. To play Richard Pryor? I was like, Apps. I mean, that was believable. He looks like him. When they when they put the afro and stuff on the mall, like he he he's favorite, he favored him. I think he looks the most like Pryor out of all than all of the people that I've seen them raise, you know, Marlon Wayne's, Mike Epps. Who else? Who else would you think could play that? Play him? I, listen, the thing is. Marlon Wayans is a very good actor. Yeah. So it's playing he another is. person. It's the acting that we need. That we need. Yeah. Favoring somebody is great. That don't mean that don't mean you can play them. Yeah. That don't mean you can play. Them. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna wrap this up by asking you. Um, did you see that fun remake that they did? Um, um, I didn't see it live. I saw clips of it. I saw clips of it. Cause you know, they didn't, had, like, Jamie, didn't Jamie Foxx play George Jefferson? Yes. Jamie Foxx played George Jefferson. And then they had, I, um, saw, I saw Marla Gibbs made a cameo. Like she came in. Yeah. She made a cameo. Uh, they yeah. had, um, Will Ferrell playing Tom, um, Carrie Helen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, Will Ferrell playing Tom. Okay. I, I mean, I think that's I think that's a funny even well yeah Will Ferrell's a little too goofy to play Tom because Tom wasn't Tom was goofy but he wasn't like 
he wasn't like absurd, but I but I, I also yeah. didn't see Will Ferrell play the character, so I don't know how if he did it justice or not. But <laughs> so, what's the biggest thing you think people should take away from this show, other than a black man getting to talk to white people crazy in the seventies? <laughs> um, I think the takeaway really it, it should be you know that the you know what it is the the black family can exist. In a, in, it doesn't have to be full of children. It doesn't have to be him. You know, black families come in different forms. You know, right. and 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 we got to see a couple raise their son, raise him well, um, and then live off of the fruits. You know, off of the fruits of their of their labor. And you know, and it, and then and seeing them kind of and you and, he, and again, yeah. I mean, essentially, it's also like. We got to see the black Archie Bunker. We got to see what it looks like when black people get money, get a little bit of money, and then what what that happens to their psyche and their, you know, because we can be pro-black and we can do all these things, but you know, capitalism still exists in conservative spaces in the black community. That still exists. And, oh, yeah. and I think and, and George and George Jefferson was willing to be compromised in certain areas. What he was not a, ever he never compromised though was his was his culture he never yeah. gave up his he never he never stopped being a black man and he did step up in in the face of injustice and stuff like that yeah. and that's what i appreciate about the show the takeaway was that you can still be black as hell you can you can be you can take all the pride you want and still come out of it doing right right you know you can be black as hell you can you can come out of it but still have these absurd opinions you can, you can still do you, you can be a lot of different things, but you can't you can't you know you don't you don't have to sacrifice yourself to be to be successful. I want to thank Alex English for joining me on the show today. We had too much fun talking about how the Jeffersons was the first portrayal of a rich black family, how Marla Gibbs played a major character but was grossly underpaid, and how Alex confessed that he has never seen Boomerang, even though he loves Eddie Murphy. I want to thank you guys for listening. Our creator and producer of the show is Judith Carbo. Our supervising producer is Rebecca Steinberg. Our music composer and supervisor is Brendan Solomon Lynch. Our audio engineer is Jessica Gutierrez. Our executive producer is Jason Smith. And I'm your host, Dulce Sloan. So join us next time on That Black Ass Show. Star Bands Audio, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.